Welcome to the Jack Mitchell Podcast. Glad to have you back with us again. A conversation with someone I find interesting to learn a little bit about them. And uh, I do that. I learn something every single episode, and I hope you do too. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to us. Uh, been doing this for now about oh, five, six months. And uh, really appreciate all the feedback. Uh, really appreciate uh, all the comments and those sorts of things. If you want to uh, like us, give us a, a, a rating, find a sponsor for us, uh, any of it, it would be all, all be super appreciated. Uh, so we can keep doing it because I, I really do enjoy this and I look forward to it all the time. Well, let's get to the guest today. Uh, my, my guest today is, I, I was trying to think about this beforehand because I usually like to, um, to like sort of explain the level of intersection in my life that I've had with, with my guest. And it's been multifaceted for this guest to the point that I, I probably, uh, I probably was around him, not quite when he was in diapers, but not too far after that, a little bit after that. Um, and and saw him running around during the things I was doing in high school, and uh, he's now the head of the Downtown Lincoln Association, and uh, he's he's been uh, a kind of a family friend of mine for for quite some time, and and uh, uh, wanted to hear a little bit about a little about his background, his job, and everything that he does. So welcome to the podcast, Todd Ogden. Todd, how are you doing? Jack, I am doing swell. <laughs> That's good. That's so who's an interesting person that you found. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone, yeah, okay, everyone. Okay. You wouldn't be here if I didn't find you at least somewhat interesting. I'll take it. Give yourself some real, real credit there. I don't know how old do you think? How old would you have been when I was in when I was in high school? Like say nineteen ninety. I don't know. I graduated in ninety five. It probably is low down as like ninety three, ninety four. Uh, probably third grade. But yeah, you would have been Stuco. So I remember. I think your bill was still had the same curve to it when you all. <laughs> I've stayed consistent with one yeah. thing in my life, at least. So yeah, I remember you all being over at the house and uh, yeah, trying to be cool and hang out with all you guys. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was fun. So so the 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 backstory for those who who don't know is that um, Todd's mom, Colleen Ogden, was one of my teachers in in high school. Um, I had her. Oh, I want to say about ninth grade, maybe tenth grade for a U.S. government class, and I might have had her for another class, too. She was also a, a student council sponsor, and, yeah, I was one of those kids. Uh, I, was, I, was in on the student, I was in on the student council, uh, but we had a real unique relationship. She did, I think, with m- me and a lot of my classmates at the time, um, and it was a really good one. It was one that was really interested in us, really kind of letting us, not only through classes, but through through... Uh, student council kind of find our way, but also very interested in us, very interested in, in who we are. And, and she became probably my favorite teacher that I ever had because of it. And, and, you know, to the point where you, you'd, you'd see her, uh, outside of school and you'd see her with, with little Todd, not in diapers at the time anymore, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, think- but to the point that I knew who her family was. Like, uh, like I, I knew that. And, you know, going, like you said, going, going to the house wasn't a, a crazy weird thing, uh, at the time going and, and having dinner, um, and, and those sorts of things. And so, yeah, that was, that was kind of my, my beginnings of knowing Todd and, and then probably a time where he was, he was growing up, uh, you were growing up and, 
Um, didn't know a ton because my, the beginning of my adult life was was kind of going on. And then uh, I get into my job that I'm in now, uh, and and a few years into it. But uh, Todd ran into you and your mom and your brother and your dad uh, around town. But eventually, you take over this position at the Downtown Lincoln Association, uh, which is really cool that you're doing, and it's something that I feel. Um, obviously, as somebody who is a Lincolnite through and through, passionate about the city of Lincoln, it's an important position here, and I'm I'm really excited to hear more about that. Um, but I don't know what was it like. What was it like growing up with a, a mom who was who was kind of a teacher of that ilk? Um, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm, sh- I'm sure there are still teachers like that. Probably I don't know if it's as easy to do now. But what do you remember about that? Oh yes, I mean she was definitely uh, known as the wild teacher, so that that was uh, kind of fun to have. <laughs> but I, you know, I still have a bone to pick with you. We've talked about this before, but you talked about favorite teacher. Um, you know, I had her as a teacher too, and she has her top students of all time. And I think it's still a battle between you and Terry Campbell um, for one A one P. So that that'll switch depending. And you're on not the on, you're not on the list. I'm not on the list. I don't even think I'm top five. I, my brother, <laughs> he, he's the chosen one, so he definitely has me beat. But uh, yeah, so that that that's unfortunate. But uh, fine, then I, I won't put her as my uh, top ten East teachers. I'll, I'll give that to Coach Gingery. Uh, <laughs> you so, have to, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That that's good. Yeah, it well, I, and I don't know, you know, she she said this and and for those who don't know Todd was uh talking about uh Carrie who was one of my classmates, all, also my date to my sophomore or junior year prom, I think and one of my best friends as well, but you know, it is interesting cuz I hear her talk now uh, about our class and she had some sort of a, I don't quite know why, but she has some sort of like a reverence for it around that group of kids and i don't know if we were exceptional in any way or not but at least she seems to think so so that feels nice i guess i I think i think so i don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here but you you hear it a lot like going to games and i know you know you get a uh hopefully we'll see johnny duncan some balls here for basketball that'd be great just remembering the crowds there and the students and i don't want to blame everything on cell phones but you know there's you used to have to go to the games to congregate and um without being able to spread around or be at the gate you know everybody still went to the gas stations and stuff like that but yeah your class did seem to have a different camaraderie that you don't really see anymore it's kind of a bummer you know you know the school pride's kind of more online than it is in person um so you don't see it as much at things like basketball games yeah well, it was interesting because, you know, I graduated in 95. I guess I had dial-up internet at home toward the end of that, but I didn't get, like, regular-use internet until I was the next year when I was in college. And that's, that's like, when that regularly became a part of my life. And so that's, you know, people kind of talk about the – some people call it the, the Oregon Trail generation or Generation Catalano, Catalano referring to Jordan <laughs> Catalano for my so-called life. But it's like the – end of x very beginning of y that is sort of this era that had the full childhood experience of the 70s and 80s for the most part uh and then had the you know the college life and the young adult life of millennials in the you know into the 2000s and beyond so I call it the perfect generation because of that, but I'm not sh- I'm not sure how other people feel about that. Well, I'll talk about your generation when we talk about the history of downtown. So um, <laughs> hold on. that's good. Uh, now, yeah, but what, what's it? Well, first of all, when you're you, you know, but when you are when you are younger, what's it what's it like to have you know? My mom was a teacher growing up too. I guess she was a music teacher, um, but I don't know what do you, what do you remember about that? And then and then kind of 
Like, uh, what was your childhood like just kind of more generally here growing up in Lincoln? Yeah, I think it worked well. I, I mean, it gave me good parenting lessons because uh, I didn't get in too much trouble because my mom wanted me to party and do all that stuff. And it was like my rebellion was like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go to homecoming. So we we tried to boycott that stuff just because she was so obsessed with it. So that was my <laughs> rebellion there. Um, so you want us to have fun and be involved? No, that's not going to happen. But yeah, it was like I said, my friends liked it more than I did. They loved to give me crap about um, yeah, Mrs. Ogden. And yeah, uh, they, they still yeah, it, it was it was fun, though, like I said it was uh everybody wanted to be my partner in uh our uh criminal justice classes so they knew they'd get better grades on our papers uh but <laughs> little did they know that was not the case so. no she didn't even like you you needed to be no, my exactly. you needed to be my friend to get that oh she wanted she wanted me to be like jack mitchell she was always disappointed that i didn't go to law school yeah. and like yeah okay. so i was yeah i always had yeah to look what that gave me yeah <laughs> <laughs> it all works out yeah yeah, where uh, where did you uh, like? Where did you go to like elementary, middle school, and those sorts of things? Morley Metal Arc. Yes. yes, I just I just finished my last child at Morley. Uh, my daughter. I had twelve straight years of picking up a child at Morley. My kids oh, went K through oh. five and never overlapped. So that was twelve straight years. And I'll tell you what, Todd. The freedom is intoxicating of no longer handling elementary school pickup because I don't know if you know this or not, but the elementary schools in Lincoln, Nebraska were not designed for the parent of every child to descend on them to pick them up at the end of the day. No, I'm, I'm have two, my boy, both my boys are at maxi right now. And, um, that's at least a new one. That's yeah. a new one, so they thought There's about a it a little bit. Zone. Yeah, true. Um, but it's it's wild. It is the wild west out there. Like just the how the parents take it so seriously, and you have to get your specific spot in line and be a half hour early. So my wife and I always like have these certain license plates we make fun of. Like, what are they doing here early? And we, you know, we say that even though we're there at the same exact time as then. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's crazy. No, there will be no. It's weird because I'll get there early, and there'll be people. I would get there, you know, it's like I'm driving, coming from work or something, and we pick up at 3.38, and it'll be like 3.05, and I'm like, I'm like, what, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to go home? Why don't I just go? I'll get on my phone. I'll take a nap. I'll do something <laughs> like that. And there's already like 20 people there already. It's like, who are these people? Very judgmentally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> While we're doing the same thing. That's right. the best part. <laughs> right, exactly. My, kid, my kids always thought it was super weird that I would take naps when I waited for them. I was like, that's a totally, that's a totally fine thing. Like, Dad, it's not appropriate to go sleep in your car outside of a school. Like, it's fine. And it <laughs> feels fine. great. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. Uh, so then were you, a, were you a, was Lux around yet then? Or yeah, I was the a... first class at Lux, and yeah. I lived across the street from it. So that was back when nothing was developed, so you can just see my house. So everybody wanted to... Yep. Um, just tread over there after school, but yeah, that was a yeah, that was a fun experience um, dealing with all that. It felt quite a bit different than Morley with, um, yeah, yeah, and all these you principles and all that stuff. Now you, um, okay, so like I, I've got a kid who's a senior in high school right now. He's he's uh, leaning strongly towards going to, going toward University of of Nebraska. Uh, you got your bachelor's sure. there. What was was that a was always a no brainer for you? Did you think about it? What was that like for you? Um, like I said, I had pressure to kind of take the law path for a while. So looked at some places like Colorado State, um, and KU, but, uh, didn't really think too hard about it. That was kind of my top three and just ended up wanting to go to Nebraska. I always, I always take the safe route. So there yeah. we are, um, at Nebraska and it was, 
best decision I ever made. Um, yeah. you know, again, I could talk about a couple other small decisions there that led me to where I am here, um, which are kind of fun to talk about. But yeah, it's that's that's one of those going to Nebraska definitely kind of changed the trajectory of what uh you know of who I came to be. Did you go in still wanting to do law school or did that did that change? Yeah, at some point I mean later? even throughout. So I started in the business college and then um uh, yeah, my, my mom, I wanted to go to advertising right away. I, I saw kind of the change and wanted to go to college of journalism after my freshman year. And yeah, I remember my mom saying, it's like, you don't want to do that. That, that'd be a terrible decision. So yeah, the theme of that is nope, didn't listen to that. I'm going to, I'm going to go to advertising. And, um, it was amazing. And that's, uh, eventually what led me to this job. So I went to the college of journalism, but then I also toward the end, um, was planning on going to law school. So I, I already had my advertising degree uh, minus a couple electives and I wanted to get my political science degree. So I ended up getting a double major there and I was more focused on that. So I needed to take one more advertising class uh, to get my degree for just an elective point. And I took uh, my now my friend and slash enemy Clint Runge, who's uh, <laughs> the founder of Arch Rival um, here downtown. And Does he, he still have the exclamation point in his name? Is that a yes, thing or is that he's still, still Clint? Yes. Okay. I, I, Clint! I have a basketball team, so I have to sign up his name every time. So I'm always making sure I add the exclamation point there. And the referees are always wondering what the heck I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's still got it. And That's, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So yeah, he was the adjunct uh, professor there and he's only a couple of years, years older than I am. And he gave that speech like, this is going to be the hardest class you'll ever take. If you're not up for it, we're going to take a little break. Don't come back. And Eric Gerard, who's one of my friends, was also in that class. Um, and he thought it was funny because they looked, turned back. I decided to leave. I was like, screw that. I'm not going to take this <laughs> class. It's an elective. I'm not going there. Uh, so, uh, Clint, Clint being a dick, uh, made me want to leave, um, and not come back. So I ended up picking up another elective class that I thought would be easier, uh, with, uh, Marcelo Pleopolis, who was a great professor too. But he had a client, which was the Downtown Lincoln Association, um, doing an active campaign on, um, panhandling and homeless awareness. And um, my class, which ended up being just me toward the end, um, did this campaign. And Polly McMullen hired me to implement that campaign. And, oh, wow. Uh, 17 years later, I'm here. That's a name I haven't heard for a while. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I remember talking to her way back in the early days, early days of my show. Okay. So, so yeah. So, so what were the steps kind of in between you, 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 you did that and then you started, I assume working with them doing some things. What, what were the next years of your life like then once you yeah. started doing that? So it's kind of fun because yeah, I grew up, you know, uh, you know, one of those stuck up south of all Lincoln kids. So we don't know much about, um, downtowns typically as others. You know, I went to all of the movies and stuff like that, but, uh, really I literally got my start, uh, panhandling with, uh, homeless individuals. Uh, so started doing that and just meeting, um, people, uh, the businesses at the front doors, meeting with the homeless coalition and having to sell that campaign. And through that time, I just kind of fell in love with downtown. Like I really, I, totally changed my mind. And I, I knew I wanted to kind of stay in this realm. And it really does combine advertising and political science with um, everything we have to deal with. So Polly actually found out that I was going to take a job at the Alumni Association before I kind of knew that. So she pulled me aside. I thought she was going to kill me. And she's like, I heard, I don't know how even know how she found out. She's one of those that talked and had like, she had her little birdies like in Game of Thrones whispering around and said, you're not going to work the Alumni Association. You're going to work here. And I started uh, the marketing department there. So they didn't really have a marketing team at the time. So, oh, really? Yeah. So huh. it was 
they contracted with uh, uh, a couple different groups before. Uh, and yeah, so it, it was an opportunity for me. So it's kind of like one of those things where I looked really smart because I was the only one who knew how to use a computer. So it was awesome. It was good timing to be a millennial, uh, especially in advertising. It really was a good time. You, you know, it made me look a lot better than I really was. So Polly thought I was the golden boy at the time. So nobody else in the staff like that. And uh, eventually, she laughed. So it may, it, it, that, that, that was helpful. And she, yeah, she was a really good mentor. She was really, uh, she was really tough and, uh, it, it, it was, it was awesome. So it was fun to kind of create the marketing there and use my background on both ends. And really from day one, Polly and then Terry Uland, who, um, I always reminded him when he was present here, I was there before him. So I was always a senior, right. but he took over and he hired me on. Um, as a full-time marketing director. Cause that last year I was still going to school and full-time at DLA. So he hired me on and I got to work with Terry for, uh, 10 years. And then he promoted me to deputy director after about seven years. And he was amazing. He gave me so many opportunities. He had no ego at all, which is really cool. Cause that meant like anything that happened, he took me along. He let me be a part of it and kind of learn as I went. And, you know, something new for our organization, because usually it's kind of the end of the career for anybody that's taken over this job in the past right? Uh, for both of them and and people prior. So this is something that, you know, I've been able to kind of grow up in and grow in the International Downtown Association field. And yes, I was kind of incubated um, <laughs> in this downtown bubble and uh, never going to leave. So when Terry retired... I had to get this job because if I didn't, I, I kind of screwed myself because I've become a downtown professional and the only, uh, and, and I don't want to leave Lincoln and Shauna, my wife definitely doesn't want to leave Lincoln. So if I'm a downtown professional, I'm not leaving Lincoln. There's one job that I can have. Uh, normally you would bounce around different cities. So uh, I was very happy to get the promotion. And after the search, they hired me uh, to take over the job and it was great. And then the pandemic happened and it was, yeah, it was exhilarating and hard and fun and all, all that stuff. So it's been it's been a wild ride, but it's it's crazy how these little uh, yeah turns kind of yeah lose. like you don't Actually. walk out yeah you know, just one thing changes right yeah. like one decision you make that day and it totally changes your future like hundred yeah, percent so, yeah so Clint uh, having his the hubris that he does is the reason that I'm here today so that's good uh, I'm, I'm thankful for him every day that's good. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Uh, when, when did you get married? Oh, gosh. Sean and I married 11 years ago now. So 20, what was that? 2010? Okay. Uh, 2011. 2011. 
Okay. Were you guys together in like your high school years or not? No. I don't know. I don't know much about this. I'm just curious. Yeah, no, that, that was, it was, it was interesting. So uh, as you probably knew, I grew up and uh, one of my closest and best friends was Travis, her brother. Yes. And everybody knows how that goes when you end up dating uh, your brother's sister, but, or your best friend's sister. Right. Um, and, uh, I, it, she's two years younger than me. So in high school, I mean, you know how that is. Like you're not, it, you know, that's, that's, that's for those weird guys that are looking to date somebody two years younger. That sounds crazy. Um, so definitely didn't really, we knew of each other growing up. She was running around the gym. I was running around the gym. Uh-huh. Um, but then in college, um, once she got to college and I was in college, I lived with her, uh, cousin, Nate and Travis's cousin and Travis was always around. And so Shauna, a little Shauna came hang, hanging around with us and, we started hanging out uh, every day since then, and uh, it, it was crazy. So it was a, it was a fun little transition for Travis to get used to, but he got used to it, and right. we got closer after that. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it it's it's crazy. So it's uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a fun eleven years, it, and I, I really wanted to come on this because Sean and I always wanted to start our own podcast. Our friends think we should start a podcast, so we want to start Argumental. I already have a name for it um, okay. and just have us arguing with each other. Uh, they love our arguments because uh, she's a gingery. So, you know, right. every one of her thoughts at every time and they don't always <laughs> have to have logic. So they love it. Inter- yeah. Interjecting with that. So it's, it's been a fun 11 years and we have two crazy boys now. So uh, I couldn't ask for anything better that way. That's so, that's so cool. And yeah, it's like the, uh, it's like the, it's, it's so weird because it's like the marriage of like my high school life, like, <laughs> coming together like the two teachers and people that were probably most significant in my life are your you know your mom and your father-in-law of course you know my uh john ginger is still coaching football over that east at east by the way what was the uh what was like the uh the can you can i marry her conversation like uh, um with him? <laughs> that's a sore subject uh <laughs> There was a lot of crazy stuff going on at that time. Uh, so I, I ended up just quietly getting engaged to Shauna separately. So I didn't ask him before and he was so mad at me. Uh, <laughs> and he got over. I could have told yeah. you that. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was easier at the time. So I definitely, I don't regret it because it's, it's still funny. I still give him crap for that. But yeah, he was, yeah. he wasn't super happy about that. He's like, yeah. He, uh, but that's one of his greatest things. So that, that works with us. Like John, there's nothing that delights him more than when he sees me like fall or get into trouble or anything like that. So they used to like have their dogs attack me under the blanket. So that's payback for all that. So he absolutely takes joy in my pain. Just not surprised yeah. at all. You know, it's funny. We, I don't know why we had little kids running around high school and practices and everything so much, but I, you know, I know, I, 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 I know that, um, both Travis and Sean, I know they were at the football practices sometimes. <laughs> oh, every time. Know. Travis thought he was so cool. He was always staying in the stands. And yeah, when he was in third grade, he was already, already in high school. So he, he fast forwarded his life quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I had John as a, uh, teacher and coach too. So that was kind of weird. Um, after the fact, he was awesome though. So it was, it was, uh, kind of fun getting to know him after that. And we were the craziest officiating class. We had him for officiating. And I, we've got, I don't know. I don't want to get him in trouble. So these stories, but most of them were when he tore his Achilles, he, uh, had to, he had to take off a few weeks and our officiating class, which had his son, Travis and yeah. Nate, uh, another gingery and Gerard and Pickerel and Woodhead all, it, it was not a good idea to have us all in the officiating class. 
And when he was out, like I, I jumped up on the basketball hoop and Matt Burkle <laughs> lifted the hoop all the way up to the ceiling while I was sitting on it. And somebody Wait, came like the thought, fold, like when you fold it up, you yeah, mean like that? Back. So everybody, I was like kind of nervously laughing there and making fun. I was like, I probably will die if this happens. So <laughs> I hope no East administrators are listening to this. So I'll, yeah, I'll just take it if Sub was there. But uh, nobody listens to this. Good. Don't worry. And then we had to do the pacer, and our class set up something where we wouldn't actually do the pacer after every like lap where they beep and have you do the next lap. Somebody would fall down and we'd act like we we're all just collapsing. And uh, Tim Kowal, <laughs> who was our quarterback at the time, was dragging everybody. He's like, if you help us, we can save them. So the sub did not know what to do. <laughs> Weird stuff like that. <laughs> no wonder your mom didn't like your class as much as mine. You guys were jerks. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll, I'll blame the Gingeries and Gerard for that stuff, but it, it was, yeah, so needless to say, the next day, uh, John had to come back early in a wheelchair to watch our class because no sub can handle us. So we went through three subs, and oh, God. Uh, yeah, it was wild. <laughs> I, bet that was, I bet that was about as fun as going through a one-and-eight senior football season with him. <laughs> yeah, I bet he was happy. Winning, winning the first game, getting ranked of his first year, getting winning the first game, getting ranked by Riley Jane Hambledon, and then not coming within single digits of a team the rest of the season. I forget what what position did you play for? Him? I was a, a defensive end. They call it edge rusher now. It sounds yeah. a little cooler. Defensive yeah. end in the vaunted Jim Tunyus four four defense, which <laughs> I, I don't know that anybody runs a four four anymore anywhere at any level of football. But we ran a four four. And you and you had Keckley too at the time. Was he Keckley there? too? Yep. It's incredible that I can swivel. It's yeah. a, it's incredible that I can still look down and I can like, yeah those coaches were still were still there when I was was there when I was there which is just amazing that kind of continuity. So edge rusher, do you think you've got Malachi beat on that first? Absolutely, yeah. that kid's slow off the ball, and I, <laughs> I'll tell it to his face. I have told yeah. it to his face. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's people. A lot of a lot of people are wondering when he's gonna go back and watch my film. I did have nine tackles my senior year. Started one game because of injury. A lot of people forget that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that's why. That, that's uh, that is awesome. Um, so okay, so I want to I want to talk about downtown. Yeah, downtown. Like, first of all, like you, you you sort of alluded to this, but you know, downtown. When you know, you, I guess you had a different relationship if you went to undergrad at, at the University of Nebraska than you did when you were in high school. Um, and, and downtown was something totally different when I was in high school than it is now, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, like, what was it? What sort of like, what sort of like awakened your passion or, or, or love or interest for the downtown area that you might not have had when you were younger? Well, for me, it was kind of right place, right time too, because I'll kind of go over a quick evolution of downtowns and certainly downtown Lincoln is no exception to that. But we were in what was kind of the planning phase and Lincoln definitely is known to plan things to death, um, rightfully or wrongfully. I'd say for the most part, rightfully, where we take our time, try to do things the right way. And right around that time, people were so sick of it. We're saying we're going to do this. We're saying we're going to do this. We just finished the downtown master plan, which was huge in 2005, which uh, one of the big catalyst ideas was talking about having an arena in the, by the railroad tracks, which seemed crazy. Um, we're not going to get Burlington Northern to move. Um, and so I got to hear about all that right away and just kind of fell in love with this public-private partnership type stuff and just the urban atmosphere and mixed use and how, how all that works. And, you know, 2010, 
I started in about 2007. So 2010 this is only three years later, the arena bond issue passes and we experience one point like $4 billion of development and it completely transforms downtown, which for us, and I, oh, I'm on the, this emerging leaders group for the International Downtown Association. So it's these bids from all around the world. And um, for those who don't know, we're operated by a business improvement district. So we're not the city. We're not really like a nonprofit. It's a unique animal where we're funded by the property owners downtown where they choose to huh. especially assess themselves. I honestly, I didn't even know. I honestly didn't know that exactly. Yeah. I don't know what I thought, but I didn't Which know is that. Great. That's great. I don't want anybody to need to know that. All we care about is people know downtown Lincoln's awesome. And that's what we want to promote. But they, they were created um, because the property owners wanted to figure out what the common good was. So let's let's take a step back to 1967. That's when we were founded, um, our downtown Lincoln Association, and it was the O Street Gang, which as a Lincolnite, you've probably heard of. Um, so the O Street Gang was kind of running things, and they they had reputations of not necessarily getting along with each other, like taking care, taking care of what they needed to and growing their um, realm downtown. Uh, but when, uh, in the seventies, there was a huge exodus and, uh, especially Gen X, they really killed us. They grew up and wanted to be in the suburbs. So that generation, um, the yuppies, all that stuff, it was all about the suburbs, all about, you know, growing outside, not up in the cities. Mm -hmm. Um, so and then Gateway Mall was being built. So the O Street Gang got together and said, hey, we need to work together to have a common voice so we can um, look out for downtown as a whole. So they created what was called the Lincoln Center Association to figure out how to combat that exodus from downtown. And at that time, they lost over a million square feet of retail um, uh, area in downtown Lincoln. So the heydays that I hear about almost every day, I follow all those historic Right. Facebook you know page. you're from Lincoln if, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I always have to make a comment like, have you been there now? Like, it, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> that it's different now. Like, trust me, I swear. So I'm always on the defensive there. Yes, it was great, but it's different now. That's not the way, you know, downtowns were a reflection of society. And at the time, that's, that's where it was. You know, no longer are we having department stores around. It would be great to have that, but people wouldn't support it. They barely support it in the malls right now. Yeah. Um, so there was that exodus in the 70s. And then the 80s and the 90s, you started seeing this kind of mixed use coming back. So the employees were coming back and they became business centers. So we lost all the retail, but it really became a business center and um, developed um, up to 20,000 employees at the time, now up to 30,000 employees downtown. Now, again, post-pandemic, I'll kind of get into that. But it became that center, but it wasn't really, you, you were missing that entertainment and activity. So it was the employment center for a while. And that's the downtown I grew up knowing in high school and all that, where really the only main reason to come downtown for a high school or early college was, you know, if you weren't 21 and going to the bars or anything, is going to um, the movie theaters. Or, you know, if you're older too, or at that time, um, you know, the Haymarket was developing, which was great, how um, our property owners um, developed that district to become a true destination. And yeah, so that was kind of the planning stage in the 90s and the 2000s. So it took a long time to figure out, okay, we're definitely reforming nationally. Downtowns were doing the same thing. So the millennials come along and kind of late Gen X. And what we start seeing is this desire to have a an urban life in 24-7 all in these downtowns. And it was kind of the first generation, a long time where demographics favored downtowns and people wanting to be, and psychographics of people wanting to have that lifestyle of that mixed use where you can dine, shop, park, 
um, enjoy everything going on. So we started seeing a lot of our buildings being altered into active first floors, residential upstairs, office part of that, getting more parking. So that's kind of where we got um, up into the 90s. So it's interesting to sort of overlay my own life and your describing of the eras of downtowns generally and and downtown Lincoln because we moved here in 90, 1986. My family does. I didn't actually. I wasn't actually born here. We moved here in eighty six. You're still a Lincolnite. And so yeah, I still say I'm a Lincoln native, which actually isn't true. Um, but um, like I, I mean, I caught the very tail end of that seventies eighties thing that you were talking about. Like I caught a couple of years of the things on the, you know, you're from Lincoln, Nebraska, yeah, like going to the Centrum. Going, I remember the Centrum. I remember the Atrium. I remember the shopping down there and that sort of thing. Um, but, like, when I was, like, think about downtown. It was interesting how you kind of talked about that. Like, what do we go down there for, you know, during our high school years? And so if I go into the 90s, it was, it was to go to the Starship Theater for cheap movies. That was, I mean, that was it. It was to go, if I was going to a football game, you know, I'd find myself down there to park or to go out to, you know, go out, eat, go out, eat at that Amigos on the way or go to like, like to go to Nebraska bookstore was another big reason that I remember actually um, going to the downtown area. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because that was that was sort of the beginning of of that transition that you're talking about. What do you think it is about um, about that? kind of that millennial crowd, late X crowd, where their thoughts kind of shifted about downtown. Was it about experiences like that they had growing up? Is it that more of their peers were being mobile to other big cities and they wanted to have a little bit of a feel of that? What do you what do you sort of attribute that to? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too much into, you know, generation um, broadness, but yeah. a lot of what they talk about in that generation when we're talking about tendencies is for the real experience. You know, that's when the labels of clothing weren't priority for millennials. And so like lifestyle centers were not the real thing. They were forced urban environments. So, um, you know, South Point was an example of that that was created in the 90s and, you know, early 2000s or whatever. Later after that, you had people saying, no, I want the real thing. I want mm. to be a part of the, you know, hustle and bustle and that atmosphere where, again, I can do everything here all at once. You know, the change of transportation uh, needs as well, where they wanted to bike and walk instead of drive around, especially when you have people come uh, from all different areas that are used to that. So you kind of get best of both worlds here in downtown where you don't have, you know, it, it's it's still going to be more expensive than other areas, but compared, so anybody that comes from a larger town, whether it's issues, you know, all the major issues you hear about with downtown's parking, you're going to hear that from everybody. But if you have somebody coming from a bigger city, like, are you kidding? This is amazing. So it's right. really bigger city down, especially now where you could have that urban experience, but still have that suburban kind of Lincoln feel where you're part of something and you're part of a neighborhood. And Lincoln's always been a large we're not a small city we're a large town i think we operate um with the way people interact with each other as a large town you could connect anybody um you know through just a couple notes like especially you know we've already talked about so many connections there and that you hear that everywhere so you still have that but to have a downtown like ours and as thriving as ours within a city that's as healthy from a neighborhood standpoint um, it's just amazing. So I think that that's what makes it important for people. It doesn't hurt to have the university there, certainly. So you see the university. Um, those students come here and grow up in there, love it. Uh, we had a lot of boomerangs where they think they, they think grass is greener, so they're going to go to New York or Chicago. Like, wait a minute, I want to come back here. And We all know. Oh, now that, yeah. Yep. And now they're back here, and it's great. So those boomerangs are huge for us. Yeah. 
Okay, so that made me think. Number one, it's interesting to kind of talk about that sort of shift in thinking where, you know, maybe the real thing, the brand name doesn't matter. I think the same thing happened at some point. You talked about it with retail, but it, right in that same era, it happened with restaurants too. Like, like, like for instance, like I took my wife out on our, our first date, and this is well-known fact, when in 1998, and I had to pick the place that I thought would be best to take someone out for a date that would impress them. And you know what I picked? In, in all seriousness, I thought this, and it didn't hurt. We got married, but it was Applebee's. I was just going to guess that, yeah. It was Applebee's, but it was freaking, that was a, at that time, that was the right decision to my defense, okay? Mm -hmm. That was the absolute right decision. That was in 1998. And then I want to say, like, and, and and certainly there were local restaurants we liked and we thought about, but there wasn't just sort of this passion enjoyment, which I, I think I like better now, but this passion enjoyment of local because it's local and thinking that there's something unique in a better way than something that's cookie cutter. I really think that happened with restaurants probably, this is just anecdotal for me, but probably about... 10 years, five to 10 years after that, probably, mm -hmm. in the early yeah. 2000s, which seems to kind of mass up, match up with, with a little bit of the shift in thinking that you're talking about, too, with retail. Yeah, that that's definitely, I mean, that can't be understated. Like the important town, the lifeblood of downtown is the local unique businesses, um, whether it's dining or retail or even the entertainment, just options that you can't get anywhere else. When you're shopping, you're not going to get something that you can see anywhere else if you're going to those clothing stores or, uh, yeah, again, the restaurant is all about the local independent. I still think we have a long way to go in Lincoln. And that's the toughest thing. People, why don't we have more unique independent restaurants and Compared to Lincoln and Omaha, people still support those chains quite a bit. So I, I, for downtown, I hope they continue to figure out more and more that they want to have that unique dining experience and support those local businesses. But yeah, I, they it, it's it's wild. And, and they historically do start in downtowns. And downtown, if there's ever an experimental area, it's downtown, which makes it tough because people want to come downtown to kind of launch it. It's great to have that visibility where... Uh, you can be marketed without um, doing anything yourself. I think that's the hard part too. When you fail outside of, you know, in the suburbs, it's the business's fault. When you fail downtown, it's downtown's fault. So that makes our job even harder to make sure that um, we're not an excuse for failure and that we're something that helps lift all of our businesses up as much as possible. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You, you talk about that town thing, too. I don't know if this is true in Omaha or, or Des Moines or wherever. Maybe it is. But, like, they, I go to the grocery store I normally go to, Todd, and there is there's literally, unless I'm going there in the middle of the night, there's a 100% chance 
I will see at least one person, and usually three to five different parties that oh, I yeah. know at that time. That's <laughs> no exaggeration whatsoever. Not at all. Like, it, it absolutely is. And I don't know if that, that's happened in other places, but I think that kind of illustrates what you're talking about with the, oh, yeah, with the town size, with the town size and everything. Um, so, got a couple of different directions that I want to go. I want to I, I want to uh, talk about the arena thing because I was right in the middle. I was right in the middle of the arena Word. thing. Got a lot of people ha- very happy with me and a lot of people very pissed off at me at that time. <laughs> you know because we and and John Bishop was my co-host then and we took a. I I, I generally on my show try and I, I try not to convince people of things for the most part because I think that's usually a fool's errand. I'm not mm-hmm. changing their mind on Roe versus Wade. I'm not changing their mind on on these things, but that one struck me at the time as one where I thought I could change people's minds on. It wasn't necessarily a deeply held political belief. And I believed in it. I wanted it. I was frustrated with, with some of the, the naysayers and everything and the kind of the lack of progress, you know, that, that you saw, but I'm, I'm curious what your memories are of, of sort of that, that time because that would have been right at kind of your you know you're just out of college right you you alluded to that if i got my mm-hmm. timeline right and and yep. starting with some of the stuff that you're doing what do you remember about that time the plan the discussion and and what you sort of sort of thought of that as a 20 something at the time yeah i mean w- where we started it was a big deal so like i said we had so much planned and it was kind of the domino effect and it did become that domino effect with all the development that followed where a lot of people were waiting on doing certain things downtown to see if this was going to happen. So it was kind of exhilarating to see the kind of the community rally behind something that wasn't political at all. Um, as far as, you know, regular politics, it wasn't Democrat yeah. or Republican. It was completely random who was against it as far as their political beliefs. Um, and, a lot of groups got together. I mean, every single kind of business group uh, got together for that. And yeah, I mean, I listen to you and John every day because you, you were all talked about a lot and were the authority for that. So that was huge hearing about it and get people's perspective. And then even, you know, hearing when the no to arena group came on, which, you know, a few of them and some of the leaders were our constituents and, uh, yeah, in the right. downtown and Haymarket area. That's right. And, some of them may have been right a little bit where, you know, it was, the hay market wasn't going to be the same. So it may have made it more difficult um, for business for some. But overall, just the amount of activity it brought, it's just hard to argue the amount of energy it brought. And um, just the final vote when it came out, how overwhelming it was in favor um, was a referendum for uh, Lincoln wanted to progress and downtown wanted to progress and continue to grow up. And uh, it's it's been amazing. I mean, if you think back of all the acts that have happened there, you know, it's crazy. I wish I, I wish I had more basketball memories. Uh, I hope more to come. <laughs> we'll always have no sit Sunday from what? Yeah. Eight years ago. The yeah. Wisconsin game. I was out at the rail yard and we rushed the ice. Um, so it was like favorite. 75 degrees that day. And they still had the ice up. I remember yeah. that very vividly. The ice was up. That was, yeah, that was uh, unfortunate, but also fortunate because that, you know, stuff like that. So more of that to come. I'm positive we're going to get there. Yeah. Basketball. I'm a basketball guy. So it's, uh, yeah. Do you have, I mean, is it when, when you were thinking about, you heard the arguments for it, obviously, you know, the majority of people in your orbit were, were hoping that it passed and you had reasons that you hoped it passed. Does it look kind of like what you thought it would? 12 years ago when you were thinking about it in terms of not only the arena, how it's operating, but how it's impacting the rest of the downtown and really the entire city? 
Yeah, it does. But the biggest thing is it, it happens so much faster. Than I think anybody could have anticipated, you know, we thought after it would get built, you know, one of the blocks would be built in the West Hay market just south of it. But we're all the way south of O now um, yeah. with the new West Park being designed and South Hay Market will be a huge incubator with more neighborhood um, residents coming there, especially once that park's developed here, which is back on track, which is great. And just the how quickly it's wild to think that that was built, um, you know, less than 10 years ago and how much is around that area and, and what it means. And yeah, it, it's just, it's wild. So it's it certainly, it just fast forwarded everything um, quite a bit other, you know, if not for that, we'd be waiting for a while. And I know some were concerned. I mean, the biggest concern was, and you always have that with downtowns, you know, don't turn into uh, Austin where it was cool. Then it gets overly built and then it's not real anymore. So we have to be conscientious of that to make sure to support those independent businesses yet still try to, you know, at the end of the day though, we want more people downtown from all walks of life. Downtown needs to be for everybody. And that's what downtowns are. They're, you know, not to make fun of or enjoy the state slogan where uh, Lincoln's, you know, Nebraska is not for everyone. Downtown is for everyone. Not everyone's for downtown. Uh, yeah. But we need to make sure it's for everyone and give everybody the opportunity to enjoy that. And that brought in so many people that would have never experienced our downtown where they could experience other districts within our downtown. And that's what we've seen since then is it's so big now. We're growing where it's not. There's downtown Lincoln before. It's kind of people felt downtown the Haymarket, uh, you know, the Haymarket is part of downtown, but now we have Telegraph District, the south of downtown areas, yeah. um, continuing to, you know, help encourage um, neighborhood growth uh, there. Obviously, we have the University of the North and then kind of that core mix in the middle. So we have to figure out how to highlight each of these neighborhoods where there's something for everybody to enjoy in each kind of mini borough, for lack of a better term. Yeah, that's interesting, though, because I, I think of downtown when I was in high school. And there, were, I mean, I wasn't even talking about the Haymarket then. I, I might yeah. have known what it was, but I didn't reference it. I referenced that as downtown at the time. And now mm-hmm. you do really have... And and even more so, really, in the last five years, when you talk about the Telegraph District and and the stuff around Antelope Valley and those sorts of things, but it feels like you do have different types of regions within downtown that are very different now. Yeah, uh, and that's good. And that's kind of our job to help highlight um, what's unique about them in different ways. So you know, some are going to cater to certain audiences more, but there's going to be a lot of overlap too. Where if you're in this district one day, you can go to the other district the next. I mean, we're beyond the days of trying to say, "Hey, park once and experience all of downtown." Right now, it's about park once or get, ride your bike or take the bus and experience a neighborhood each, you know, a different day and figure out something unique each time you go. Yeah. that's uh, Just one more thing on the arena. I'll, I'll move on. But I do remember one of the things that I got from people um, uh, among many things, like you can go back to this old blog I wrote too. I was very feisty about this thing. I was, I was almost mean to say <laughs> you were, I remember that. I, I don't know where all that went uh, in me, but <laughs> But one of the things they said, and I, I didn't really know if this was true or not, but it was it was just in terms of what would be interested in the arena in terms of acts and that there would be a honeymoon period and that it wouldn't last. And <laughs> like this April, correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, but didn't we go like back to back Elton John, Clint Black, Snoop Dogg <laughs> within yep. two weeks? Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, it was. They've they've they have not slowed down, and it's been proven how well Tom and his team have run that to be able to continue to do that. And it shows why again, so many acts are choosing Lincoln over Omaha. I don't, you know, I think we're beyond the days of comparing us to Omaha and going back and forth. There, we have our positives, and I don't know if someday they'll have their positives, but we'll take ours now. And uh, yeah, they they want to be here at the arena, and it's awesome. And yeah, 
Or, or even just a month ago, Ice Cube, Alan Jackson. Yeah. Uh, within yeah. two or three nights of each other. So yeah, I yeah, wish the, I had box seats. <laughs> Yeah, I sometimes do. Not very often, though. Yeah. Um, I, I apologize because I'll probably go to Omaha and go see Dave Matthews Band since they never came here. Which is, <laughs> I'm sorry, and I'm one of those nerds because I grew yeah. up in that era. But nonetheless, other than that, I'm I'm very loyal and and spend a lot of time there. Let me ask you this, Dot, and I'm sure it's a question you get all the time. What's the deal with the student housing boom? Yeah, it's that's it's kind of great. It's insane. Yeah. So basically, one of the biggest things that happened with the student housing boom, again, so certainly we started seeing more development. And around that time, um, the student housing, private student housing model was growing around the country where the pro formas don't, and as far as where lending was, um, and this was shortly, you know, a few years after the recession, you know, quite a bit of time, but lending was still a little bit different where they, lenders worked better for student housing. You don't need to fill it up as much. Um, for it to operate as well. And one of the biggest things, surprisingly, is Nebraska's move to the Big Ten. Open our eyes with new developers, like where Latitude is Argent. They're out of Chicago. Really? Yeah. Oh. So our move to the Big Ten opened the eyes of Big Ten-type developers in Big Ten cities. And, you know, a lot of them kind of had the same idea at the same time. So we had that a boom because they were all working on it. Well, none of them were going to stop saying, okay, why are we doing this? We're going to saturate it because, you know, of course it's, it's capitalism. They're all going to think they're going to do it better. Uh, and they all went in and here they are. And I, you know, again, I don't think any of them are complaining. We, I, we feel, you know, in our master plan that we, we feel, especially these new developments, they're great, but we still want to continue to have that mixed kind of housing. So that's that was low-hanging fruit early on. And now we're seeing a lot more different types of housing. All the new housing you're hearing that's being developed is going to continue to come. And I want the prices to continue to go down. But the only thing that's going to do that is continue to build because these are filling up fast still. It's amazing. See, that's the thing. I keep thinking they're going to run out of supply. Yeah. But Because every time I thought I heard that the last one was going, and I don't have any problem with them, like, you know, um, I'm sad that P.O. Pears is no longer there, but yeah. I, I, but I don't have a problem with them. But I do seriously wonder, like, how do you continue to have a supply of students that can and will pay that rent to live off campus in downtown in in what in some cases looks like pretty high end living compared to to bear the dorm that I was in? Yeah, up. I wish I had that when I was in college. Yeah, we would have gotten in more trouble probably, but. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, the something you want to continue to monitor. I think the biggest thing too, though, is once they're there, not everyone can kind of, um, kind of redevelop into different nodes, but even some have already kind of shifted into young professional housing, for example, instead of student housing. Mm-hmm. So that's something you, you're hoping for when you see that. So they kind of the development grows along with, um, the needs. So if that's saturated in a certain area, some have done a really good job. I know like Canopy Street Lofts right by the arena. Uh, changed quite a bit and it's gone back and forth, but a lot of young professionals, especially with having huddle there, didn't hurt, had yeah. interest in being a part of that. And again, some are kind of more dorm style where they're, you know, have quads and four bedrooms, but they, they've continued to transfer. So again, for me, we need as much diverse mix of housing as we can get, whether it's affordable housing, whether it's uh, market rate housing or uh, condos or high end. Right now, I'm the point where you know we need to figure out how to maximize our utilization of downtown, and um, again, welcome developers to continue to be interested in these properties. You mentioned you mentioned Huddle, and and I think of downtown this way too in a way that I didn't in previous years, but it, it's sort of a, a hub for a, a type of 
you know, startup, startup business and kind of just a community in that area. Um, and you know, you hear about these businesses and you, you, you kind of just assume they're down, down there. That's where, that's where they are. How important was, was sort of that generation of, of businesses like the huddles and, and like the other ones that came up. And now you look out there and you got huddle and you got Olson with these huge buildings <laughs> in that area supplying not only workers, probably people that live downtown and they're, you know, they look cool too. Uh, for yeah. that whole thing. How important were they in sort of the evolution of downtown? It's huge. It, it works both ways. Like Huddle would not be there if not for the rail yard and things like that, where it's an indicator. Uh, again, we're, we're, we're going to get rail yard where it needs to be here in the future. Um, get ready for phase two, things like that. But it's uh, that kind of indication shows that we're invested in entertaining and keeping of an active lifestyle for our employees and residents. So they, it's huge for their employees and recruitment and stuff like, and now they're all having kids. So having a daycare there and Primrose coming in is going to be huge. That's crazy. By the and, way. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious to think of. So they've kind of grown up there, but then you have new ones like company cam come in, but that's what they're looking yeah. for. And especially post pandemic. And again, I can go on for a whole nother podcast to talk about what the pandemic and how that altered trends in short, it just kind of sped up a lot of trends that were going on downtown. So my staff hates hearing this because I say this 10 times a day, but we're going from an eight to five center to a 24 seven center. Like people it's live work. We're, we're trading employees who didn't want to be a part of downtown before they're working remote now. Um, and the people that are downtown want to be downtown. And we've seen a really good mix that way where you have to have a reason and downtown is a reason to want to work. And we need to continue to build on that community where, you know, we want to bring back uh, our volunteer group to be a part of these things too. So people can feel, feel, feel a part of something, whether it's events or developments or things like that. And uh, people need that sense of community. And so that's something we're going to continue to build. And that's what we've seen change since the pandemic residents, we've seen so many more residents. We're going from 3000 in 2010 to looking at about 10,000 when all these new develop. Uh, That's interesting. I've wondered about those numbers because growing up, I didn't know anybody lived downtown. No. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> I didn't know it there was... were available. Pla- there probably were. And, and I do remember when I was in, in law school and looking for my wife and I's first apartment, we actually looked at a, up one of those old buildings in the Haymarket, I think it's above the one that's above like where that those sushi restaurants are across from kind of catty quarter to the mill, I think. And and I was like, I didn't even know those really existed. I was like, this is kind of a cool idea. And literally did I know um, that was just the beginning of that entire trend. And yeah, how much you, you what did you say? 3000 to 10,000? Like yep. what has been the when has that growth occurred and just how crazy has that growth been in terms of people who declare downtown as their residence? Well, certainly after the arena, we started seeing more of that. You had the young professional and student housing. And during and since the pandemic, we're seeing more of that kind of mixed use and condos too. Lending's changed a little bit and the market has seen condos. They're still kind of high end and they work well. And we have this weird market factor that nobody else in the country has. And it's the tailgating factor. (laughs) So that's difficult for us, but people are buying these just to have a tailgate spot downtown. Um, so we have that tailgate market or the people that want to be a part of Husker Athletics buying condos for their second or third home. A party pad. Basically. Yeah, a party pad. Yeah. So we have that that, you know, it shows how committed our fans are and, and you know, how, impar- how important that is to us um, uh, for downtown. But 
again, that, that kind of throws off the condo market a little bit where the prices um, tend to get yeah. higher, but we're seeing more built from a different range of prices. So it's, it's wild how much it's grown. And right now it's just any, anything anybody can find because now again, post pandemic, it's about live work. So you're altering um, your offices to be a little bit more conducive to the hybrid workforce where give them a reason to want to come there. You know, we're not yeah. talking about the days of when people make fun of millennials because they're going to be play, playing ping pong. Right. It's not about that. It's about having the flexibility to have different space to work, to have the coffee shops around, to have something to be a part of. And then also having residents that work for live work as well, where I can live here and work here. And, you know, it works both ways. So we have a lot of people. Hiring is the number one issue we have right now. We're losing a lot of employees that can make a lot more money elsewhere. So we have to recruit harder. And, you know, that that's something that we're going to continue to work on with the city. And I'm confident we will. Um, but uh, on the flip side, we have people that now live here that can afford and want to live and want to be a part of downtown, but they're working remote um, out in California and they don't want to live there. So they're here living downtown, spending their California earned money in our downtown shops. That's nice. what I want to see. So that good, good for them. That's a good uh, exchange rate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want it both ways. Like, yeah. like, I said, like we want a community. We want people to feel a part of it. Otherwise, why work in the pandemic? You know, I was so worried early on, um, or I guess, uh, anxious early on to see what would happen. And, you know, people thought it was awesome when they were working remote right away. But as it went on even longer, they're like, wait a minute, I don't want to do this all the time. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't about working remote for most people. It was about having the flexibility and the choice. And, you know, depending on the job, some are more than others, but, you know, it was the lifestyle and they wanted to be, feel a part of something and their ideas changed and how, they went, you know, were with their family and we're seeing employers um, work with uh, their employees and their families much better. And it's really been a refreshing change that we've seen. And I think downtown's done and our businesses and properties have done a great job of adapting and we're going to see them continue to adapt. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Yeah, you want to hear something nerdy, Todd? Sometimes I like envision what my life would be like if I lived, if I was like an it, it maybe an empty nester and and lived in in downtown and like I sort of want experience. I don't know if I'll ever pull the trigger, but yeah. like I think about it a lot. Like there's a there's a lot that is attractive about it to me, um, and and so I think of it now. What I'd really like is just to be independently wealthy and have one of those party pads, one of those row houses, <laughs> one of those row houses I could throw a stone from and hit the arena and Memorial Stadium and forty-seven yeah. bars. I mean, come on! Or you know, like the new lead place condo. The lead place floor. that's basically its own you know skybox. The pent. I want the pent. I want a penthouse party 
pad at the lead place. Yeah. Come over before the musicals. You know, we're hanging out pregame in the musicals over there. It'd be fantastic. It would right, be. Well, We'll we'll talk to a residential developer and get you some sort of trade so you can plug their. Ray, uh, I would love more than out. open, more than open. <laughs> just give me a few selected. I'll just go through the calendar. I'll pick some concerts and games that I'd like access to it for. They can rent it out after that. That's fine. We'll clean it up. That'd yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. And empty nesters, they are. I mean, that's one of the biggest audiences we have. Are it's Is young it? professionals and empty nesters. I wondered wow. about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, how the demo, how that demo has changed in terms of who it is. Yeah. And that kind of existed already with empty nesters. You had, you know, a lot of the university towers, which is above the Rococo, mm-hmm. uh, downtown on 13th street. Um, a lot of them, most of them are empty nesters there. And, um, it's again, that was kind of the, a lot of them were the boomer, um, group that kind of grew up with the department store days in that urban atmosphere and wanted to be a back, a part of that. And again, we kind of skipped the X generation. So now we have young professionals. So again, right. it's still mainly, um, the millennials and the boomers that are living downtown. Um, but yeah, at some point, like I said, hopefully we can recruit the more Gen Xers and certainly it's yeah. not nobody, but our major demographics are young professionals and empty nesters. Yeah. We gotta, our kids gotta grow up. That's the thing. I'm, I exactly. got, a, I got a few more years and that is I have two kids. I understand that. Like I said, you don't always have to live downtown and interact with it. And, you know, it's tough for some families, even those that have grown up with families here. Uh, it's such a fun experience, but it, yeah, it's also a fun thing to go in and out. I mean, right. it's, uh, it, yeah, it's in, in pets and stuff. And we've seen so many more, like almost everybody I feel that lives downtown has a dog. Yeah. Uh, downtown Isn't well. that new park going to have a dog park in it? The, I, that South I hope one? so. I hope so. That was part of, you know, their kind of, um, they have a uh, development request the city does for that kind of uh, liner building into the park. So after that, that's when kind of the park will come back and uh, kind of phase two will get ready and announced. So I think that's something I think that would be huge. We need we need that kind of green space, that passive green space, as I like to say, where people can go and enjoy it without it having to be necessarily activated by events, which, you know, we have plenty of that with the arena and, and different places downtown and Bourbon and Rococo. And, yeah. See, now I got to tell you, if I do that, though, I really have to become very independent independently wealthy because i'm not cooking ever again every night every <laughs> no. night it's every night's it all right where are we going right we got we got 20 different choices if, every concert every show we're no more watching tv no more watching netflix because i'm bored right we got a show at the lead we got movie theater we got a concert at these different places every yeah, night have a, have i mean I'm, thing. yeah i'm i'm high i'm living high in that in that fantasy that I've got about doing that, that <laughs> muchachos Monday, yes, Tuesday. I love it. It'd be great. No more cooking. No more. No more mowing the lawn uh, as well. Okay, how how many times do you uh, like punch a hole in the wall when people talk to you about parking? <laughs> I don't. I, it's, it's more fun. Like I when I make presentations for the International Downtown Association or like the American Marketing Association, my presentation is called I Hate Downtown. Um, so that's always something I talk about. Or what are perceptions that people have and what is your organization's response to it? So definitely one of those is I hate parking downtown. And a lot of it, and you, you, for those who know about it, hear this all the time. For those who don't, it's definitely more perception than reality, especially and perception is reality. And that's important. But um, it's, it's just something where, you know, you, you've got to have the right product to mix it. So having first hour free, for example, that was something that was added in the garage has helped a ton. So that freed up meters. And for us, it's not about overall numbers of parking. I think we're there, especially post pandemic. We, we have a little bit better mix where there's not 
in, in eight, like I said, it's 24 seven. It's not everybody's in an eight out at five. People are staying later on sometimes they have their lunch rush later or they're coming later. So our, our parking spread out more. So it's about micro, um, parking to make sure you have the right stalls at the right place to support the right business that need it. Um, and to have the idea that it's there. So it's a parking's always going to be issues for downtown. I love that people say nobody comes downtown anymore because there's no place to park, you know, because there's no place to park. It's like, well, then who the hell are all these cars parked there already that are parking on the spot? So, <laughs> Who's taking all the spots? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're parking and then walking over to, yeah, 50th and O or something. I don't <laughs> so like I said, I love that that's a problem because that means we're active. So yeah. as long as people complain about parking, I'm fine with that. We'll figure uh-huh. out how to make it better for everybody. Uh, but at the end of the day, as long as it's full, I'll take it. Uh, uh, not that you have control over this, but um, uh, unrequested suggestion from me. get Quit making people plug the meters on Saturdays in parts of downtown where the where there are spots open everywhere. Drives me. Uh, I mean, I just heard they were talking about this new thing about the idea is how to keep people lingering downtown. There are Saturdays I've wanted to linger downtown, but I have a two-meter, you know, a two-hour parking meter in an area where nobody's parking. I mean, criminy. I parked in a. Here's a crazy thing, Todd. I parked by the corner. I went to the last Husker game. I parked in a parking spot in a meter at a meter, and it happened to be four o'clock, so it worked perfect. I had two hours left until six, mm-hmm. but I parked there. There were people two blocks further down still trying to sell parking spots for twenty bucks, which <laughs> is not a very good idea if you got open parking meters at that point. But even on a game day, on a Saturday. Those spots are are open and available, and like that's driven me crazy a few times. It's just, yeah. boy, that'd be a great way. I mean, I don't know. It's not going to solve every single problem, but it's annoyed me enough times that I thought I'd say something to you about it because normally yeah. people just complain to me. I'll, I'll get to park and go about that, but yeah, I, I, um, don't, just Saturdays. Don't, don't tell anybody. Hopefully, nobody knows this, but I was just risking at the meters because um, uh, you know the the parking people are focused on a lot of other things and getting tickets on that because. It, it, and they have started doing things like hang tags and stuff. So you can get those. So you can still park in a meter and not have to worry about plugging it. So you can reserve just a tag that you can have and just park it at any of those meters and you're fine. So that's one example of things they're doing. But yeah, it's, it's like I said before, it's capitalism there with Husker Day. Everybody's trying to, you know, figure out how do I get money from parking? We know, you know, we have seven times to take advantage of, you know, a hundred to 120,000 people that are coming um, to our area. And yeah, I think the biggest thing is let's continue to spread out through all of downtown. I mentioned districts. That's something we want to do is make sure they experience all the districts so it can spread around. So you don't need to like gouge uh, parkings and, at, at different spots. So I'll be at the yeah. one spot. But yeah, I'll make I sure just, I'll make sure that they get your license plate down so you don't get. I, I'm just I just feel like a great way to get. What's the day people are likely who live in the suburbs to be hanging out on downtown for an extended period? It's Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Saturday. And you want them yeah. to hang around in downtown for a long time. I think that would be a one significant way that they could do. It. I don't know how much revenue that's costing the city. Maybe a lot, but it feels I, or, or yeah. just make them longer. You well, know? and, and even with that, that, I mean, they want you know they want uh, the the reason they exist is so they're available too. So that's where you just have to start to have the hang tags. Is if if it was if they were free, they, those would all be taken right away. Then you'd be forcing it into it, but you could argue yeah. like you're saying, it's like, why not have that first? So it's, it's something that they talk about a lot. They have their own parking, con- you know, it's, it's, it's wild. All the um, information there's, they have like uh, TV shows about this, but these parking wars talking about all that stuff. So I'm glad, uh, uh, they have to strategize around that, but certainly that's something as a downtown or leader, we have to take requests and suggestions pretty much every single day on what to do. I'm sure. To account I can't imagine. The right balance of, of what to do. And I think the biggest thing is technology is going to help with that. 
Um, the perfect ultimate solution, though, is going to be uh, autonomous uh, driverless vehicles. If we can ever, you know, that's a, that's a future I see. That's that's going to help everything there downtown. And um, we don't we don't need that rail that uh, railway like we wanted before. That's going to cost you know eight million dollars per. I've been a per, proponent of light rail in Lincoln. I think it yeah. could be cool. It'd be amazing. It's um, cool in Minneapolis. It's cool in Baltimore. Yeah, it's just it's so expensive, and to yeah. have something to utilize and use technology and stuff—that's something we've talked about a lot. I, even when we had that pilot, where again you can park once, no matter where you are in the perimeter, and enjoy every part of downtown. It's not just that. Like for me too, one of the biggest things is the bike share. So I, I'm a member of Bike Link, and I park at the very edge of downtown, um, where you know I'm not paying a premium at that, and I just take the bike into either the tailgate or you know the the core downtown to get around on game day scooters yeah. are another thing that we're going to see come back where you could utilize the scooters if they activate them on game days at some point but yeah certainly the bikes that's that's my way to get into and they even have kind of mobile stations right at the stadium so yeah you could park over at like 21st and n yeah. um, and get a bike there and just ride that bike right up to the stadium and, and park it there and um you're good to go the, are the scooters gone right now because i actually thought about that when we were walking over i was like yeah so one of the scooters the scooters were in the pilot program and that expired um, there were two companies, and right now there is an R- there was an RFP, so it should be announced pretty shortly which um, companies were selected. So they're working on the contracts, and they were selected to operate there. And the city did it that way because if we didn't do a pilot program, we wouldn't have anything on the on the system to just allow scooter companies to do whatever the hell they wanted, and that's a disaster in places yeah. like San Antonio where you yeah. see them in the river walk everywhere and all over the place. So dockless stuff, scary. And so we want to make sure they adhere to as many rules as possible. Cause again, it's hard as a downtown executive, not to be a promoter. You know, we're, we have to be proponents of all modes of transportation, but I also don't want things littered and trashed and dangerous around every single sidewalk. Right. You don't want to look like that crap. Yeah. So we have to, we have to do it the right way. And I think the city's done a good job of figuring out how to do that. And hopefully those get there. And if they are done the right way, they actually weren't operated during game days during the pilot. So that's something, um, if that was allowed, that, that would be a, a fun way to get there. We'll see. Hopefully yeah. uh, it wouldn't get too dangerous. Do that I, meter I, parking and yeah. do that meter parking and get on down there. I got my steps in instead though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I got my steps in and that was good for a little extra food and pregame beverage. So yeah, do you guess. still have your marathon hat that you, you know, that you had. Yes, I do. I, yeah. yeah, I didn't, I was not wearing it, but I do have that. Uh, obviously a veteran walker in the city of Lincoln. Many, yes. many people know that. Right, last question for you. And, and this goes into so many of the things we've already talked about, but, but I, I will admit like there is as a suburban Lincolnite, like sometimes there is a, going to dinner on a Tuesday night. Okay, I don't really have a reason, but I don't necessarily consider downtown. Other scenarios, I absolutely will. Mm-hmm. Is and I don't even know. I think there's a vague thing about parking in my head, but it probably really isn't true. Um, how much do you come up against? Is that is that something that you you come up against, and and are you winning that battle? I mean, that's always something that comes up. And I think the biggest thing that we need to do to win that battle again is it's all about creating a destination. Um, so again, the Haymarket has that destination. You have certain places and that's something we're working on now where the core downtown has amazing places to go, but people go specifically like I'm going to that area to go to Footloose and Fancy or I'm going to Lincoln Running Company for shopping or I'm going to Dish. But you know, you want that atmosphere where you can park once and say, I'm going to park and then I'm going to kind of explore and find something cool. So to make it that experience. So I'm going to go downtown and find something new. 
and park there and have those unique offerings. So it's all about figuring out ways to support those unique businesses. So like on a Tuesday, um, that's something, again, we're trying to get more of these digital kiosks around downtown. We finally got one up on uh, 14th and P, for example, where you can park and kind of see what's going on there event and restaurant wise, where more of them are starting to do like bingo on Tuesdays or something like that. That's always fun. We take our kids uh, to like gate 25 bingo, for example, and it's so much fun. And you can sit there and parking definitely, yeah, especially on Tuesdays and stuff like that. It's Again, oh, yeah. so well, parking's not an issue. You can park oh. in a garage first hour free. Right. Um, I was just going to say, Todd, and I didn't, yeah. while I, the one thing, I, I will say this about the, where parking has gotten so much better. Those garages, uh, at the Haymark, number one for basketball games yeah. are, I mean, it's as somebody who walked through the frozen tundra of the state yeah. fair with my feet, I almost had to cut one of my feet off one time of the walk from Ag Hall. That is, I mean, that works better than I ever could have dreamed it it would in terms of the parking and even getting in and out of there for the most part. Um, and I think that's true, too, just having those available in that area. That's been really good for parking. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. No, that makes that. sense. Yeah. So that, that it's again, in short, is about the destination, but mm-hmm. you have to have a reason. You know, why, why did we go through the tundra at Devaney? I went through there with my dad because I wanted those. Uh, dollar frosty malt. So yes. that was like the most important thing in my life to get those dollar frosty malts at the game. That was my favorite thing that my dad and I did growing up. So I love hearing you talk about that because I had the same yeah. experience with my dad and, and I want my son to have this, that same experience moving forward there. So he was, he was awesome for doing that. Those Goodrich malts were the most inflation proof product in all of us commerce <laughs> for a good I, three yeah. decades. It was till like 2011 till they changed the price from a dollar. It was the same price from 1986 to 2011. And the rule was, if you ever want to do this, they do still sell them at PBA. You got to find the place they where do. they sell them. But the rule my dad and I had was, you go, you buy it, you buy it uh, at the very beginning of halftime, right? You get out, you know, if you're you're like me or my dad, you're you're rushing to beat the line, you get it, and then you need it during halftime while you're watching watching Red Panda or that guy who I'm afraid is going to die because he's climbing on the chairs. Yeah, which I can't watch that guy anymore. I'm so afraid he's going to fall. And you may not open it until tip off and then at tip off that is scientifically proven is the right amount of warmth and kneading to have it be the perfect consistency to eat off a wooden spoon yeah and you need two wooden spoons because it's gonna break yes, that's um, always a good choice but i was always i had to go right away i wanted it as cold as possible oh, so i broke the spoon so yeah then you're breaking that. it that's why you broke so many freaking spoons yeah, so yeah rob knew the right way to do it i just didn't listen to him so that's good one of these that's days good. Uh, Todd, I, um, I'm glad you're in Lincoln. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. It's, it's, um, you know, cool to, to hear from people. I've talked to, I've talked to a lot of people from Nebraska who are now, uh, out in different parts of the country making a difference. That's been really cool. Um, but boy, I just, just this conversation with you now, um, I'm, I'm excited that we've got you here. Um, I, I, I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy your, your vision about all these things. And I, I hope we continue to have more, uh, leaders like you here or kind of of, you know, that generation between you and me to some degree, uh, who are passionate about the city because I certainly am. And, and, um, it's, uh, it's going to be our future here. I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I'm, I don't know if I'm getting that downtown party pad, but I'm not leaving. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited people like you here. And, the, and then so many of the other, you know, I don't, young people is probably sounds like a, um, sort of condescending thing to say, but you, you know, younger people. Yeah. <laughs> we need a, we need a new generation of, 
of leadership and, and, and people here to be ready. And I, I think we're building that. And I think you're a part of it. So I'm yeah, glad I'll you're save, here. I'll save a job for Johnny. So yeah, like I said, That's I just good. appreciate you having me. And yeah, again, like I said, I've, I, I reach, when I reach out to you, I like so many others and I listen to your other podcasts too. Like, you know, people like Becky are great, but mm-hmm. you know, that having a son myself with Johnny and it really rang true. To, it was so cool. Um, seeing you talk. And like I said, I can only hope that, um, I raise my kids as well as you've raised Johnny and your oh. daughter and, uh, you know, let, let's not ignore Megan though. She deserves most of the yeah. credit, but it is yeah. really cool to see. And I love seeing, like I said, Lincoln Ice kind of grow up here and do all that stuff. So yep. it was just really cool. It's cool. Yeah. This is sort of, ev- I mean, this whole discussion between you, that's, that's sort of that dis- discussion that we sort of lived out that small town, you know, or small city, big town, however, have you want to do it, all of the crisscross connections uh, over the years. Which is cool. Oh, but, and by the way, one last thing you mentioned, my wife, she works downtown. She uh, certainly she, does. She works downtown, and I don't. She hates when, like, she will not let me drive in downtown. Um, <laughs> I have this weird thing where I don't, this is so dumb, but, like, you tell me a intersection in downtown Lincoln, and I can't picture it. I don't know the, I know what O Street is, okay, but I don't know the difference between 14th and 17th. I know that sounds so stupid, but I don't. And so between that and then just between, you know, my dumb navigation skills, my wife has basically put a moratorium on me driving the family through downtown Lincoln. And every time I do drive, she says, when did you, when did you move here? When have you, how long have you lived here? And so she's like the downtown expert. Now, yeah. it is kind of condescending, I'll be honest. It hurts. That's all right. I trust Negan, though. She's, yeah, she, she knows what she's doing. Uh, yeah, they use our conference room still, too. So we love having United Way downtown, and especially since Megan's taken over. And we go back from American Marketing Association. We're both That's on that right. board together. And, uh, no, like she's so freaking successful. Ugh. Yeah, what did we do wrong? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Hey, Todd, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Jack. That's Todd Ogden. This is the Jack Mitchell Podcast. Join us next week. I don't know who we're having yet. I think I might, but I think I'll let you wait and find out later. That's it. We'll see you next time on the Jack Mitchell Podcast.